What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. And we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about snow babies. I run across a very interesting article. It's from insider.com. And it is from November 23rd, 2022. Before we get into the meat of our podcast, I would invite you to become a patron at Patreon. And that's www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Uh, we've picked up a couple of new patrons in the last few months. Thank you so much for that. Right now, your patronage goes to promoting the Facebook page. That's what I'm using that money for. So uh, we currently are promoting the Facebook page right now. The growth is slow, but that's good. I want the growth to be slow because slow growth is actually, um, it, it's, it's indicative of something done right. Uh, a, a great groundswell, like if we added two or 3,000 new followers in a day or two, that's not something that you can keep up. It's not uh, repeatable. It's not something that can be consistent, but slow growth can be consistent. So that's good, and and we are growing, and it's because of you. Thank you so much, and if you're listening to this after the live stream, be sure and subscribe to whatever podcast podcast platform you are listening on, and uh, yeah, share it with your friends, and that will help us greatly. Now, let's get into the meat of our podcast. Now, if you're watching live, I cannot see the comment section as yet, so when I finish with this article, I'll go to the comment section and see if we have any comments. Uh, let's, let's start with this article from Insider.com. The headline of the article, These record-breaking twins were born from 30-year-old frozen embryos. Their mom is only three years older than that. And I have tried to explain the concept of snow babies, and I've gotten sometimes a little bit of pushback. Like, people don't really believe it. Like, no, that can't be true. And here, here's an article that, I mean, this is a common practice, and there's a lot of implication in this article. There's an interesting uh, institution, uh, an organization that acts as an advocate for these snow babies to give them to Christian families who have been married three years or longer. That is amazing to me. And I would, the reason I'm covering this is if you're listening to me and you yourself or you know of someone who is wanting to get pregnant, who's trying to get pregnant, maybe they don't have enough money to go to the fertility clinics. Maybe they don't have enough money to go to the uh, adoption agencies because, let's face it, adoption and fertility clinics are very, very, very expensive. It is much cheaper to abort a child than it is to adopt a child or to use a fertility clinic in order to get pregnant. Uh, you have tens of thousands, maybe more, of these snow babies all across Western culture, Canada and the United States, and it, you, could, you could go that route. Uh, you still get the experience of uh, being a mother. You get the experience of being pregnant. Uh, you and your husband can go through something like that. And if you're single, and you're really wanting to be a mother, but 
maybe being married is not something that ever worked out for you, or you're, you're, maybe your husband passed away, or something to that effect, and you want to experience being a mother, this is an actual godly way that you can have that experience without violating any principles from God's Word. And I want to talk about that in the podcast. So here's the article. These record-breaking twins were born from 30-year-old frozen embryos. Their mom is only three years older than that. Twins Timothy and Lydia Ridgway were born 30 years after they were frozen as embryos in 1992. They hold the record for developing from the longest frozen embryos. (laughs) That's just amazing. Known to result in a live birth. So evidently they've tried this before with embryos that are this old and it was stillborn, the the babies were stillborn, or something tragic happened. So these twins hold the record for uh, being born from the oldest embryos. They hold the record for developing from the longest frozen embryos known to result in a live birth. The adopted embryos were frozen in April 1992 and born in October 2022. Incidentally, that's my birth month. Top editors give you the stories you want. Well, that's, sorry, this, yeah, insider.com. Anyway, Rachel Ridgway, a mom of six, couldn't be more thrilled that she is just three years older, albeit technically, than her newborns. The twins, who were delivered three weeks ago, are believed to have developed from the oldest known embryos that led to a live birth. Rachel and her husband, Philip, got pregnant three decades after their son and daughter, named Timothy and Lydia, were frozen as embryos in April of 1992. The infant's biological parents, who have stayed anonymous, donated their leftover embryos to the National Embryo Donation Center, or NEDC, after going through IVF, that's in vitro fertilization. The Christian nonprofit, which only offers frozen embryo transfers to heterosexual couples who've been married for at least three years, stored them in liquid nitrogen um, along with thousands of other embryos. The NEDC was founded in 2002 as a way of helping people start or, like the Ridgeways, expand their families. I was five years old when God gave life to these embryos. Philip, a devout Christian, said he noted that their birth was more remarkable because Rachel was just three at the time of their conception. I love this quote. He he acknowledges that God gave life to these embryos at the moment of conception when he himself was only five years old. Now, the Ridgeways adopted their twins from the National Embryo Donation Center. It's mind-blowing to think about, the dad said. Pretty much everybody we've talked to has trouble wrapping their brain around it. The Ridgeways, who had four kids aged between the ages of two and eight, initially approached the NEDC in December of 2019. We needed some fertility assistance to conceive our three oldest children, said Rachel, who took the hormone-boosting medication Clomid. The couple used the money they would have spent on fertility treatment to pay for their adoption of the frozen embryos. They hoped to welcome their fourth child in 2020, 
They chose to adopt a frozen embryo from the NEDC based in Knoxville, Tennessee. Go, Tennessee. We decided to put the money that we would normally use for fertility care towards embryo adoption, Rachel said. We wanted to follow that route. Matters changed a few months later when they were surprised to naturally conceive their fourth child, now aged two. Rachel Ridgway said that her pregnancy with the twins was relatively straightforward, but they were determined to have more kids. They revisited their plan. Phillips said that they were motivated by their religious beliefs. We've always thought, let's give as many kids that God wants, uh, excuse me, let's have as many kids that God wants to give us, the 35-year-old said. We thought, we're not done yet, if that's God's will. The couple, who live in Vancouver, Washington, selected their embryos in December 2021 from the so-called Special Considerations section of the NEDC. These embryos are often overlooked because they were donated by parents who had a known history of certain genetic disorders, Rachel said. The Ridgeways said that they didn't care whether the 30-year-old embryos were considered perfect or not. We found out that these kids are rarely looked at because many parents coming into the process are wondering what they could have, Rachel said. The mom added, it really didn't matter to us if they are considered perfect or not. The 34-year-old said that they were told that the twins' biological father had died from ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. There's a possibility that it could be a genetic disorder that they may or may not have, Rachel said, but we didn't care. Philip told Insider that unlike some of the work, excuse me, Philip told Insider that Unlike some of the would-be parents, they weren't bothered about the age of the embryos. Three of them were transferred and two developed. Rachel, who had relatively straight, who had a relatively straightforward pregnancy, gave birth on October 31, 2022, at 37 weeks and two days. Three embryos were transfer- transferred to Rachel Ridgeway. Two of them developed into babies. I, I would say that three. Babies were transferred, and two of them survived. Anyway, Timothy weighed 6 pounds and 7 ounces. Lydia weighed 5 pounds and 11 ounces. The twins' record-breaking delivery was verified by the University of Tennessee Preston Medical Library. The former record holder was a child named Molly Gibson, who was born in 2020, or 2017. rather. The frozen embryo that later became Molly had been stored for 24 years. This is such terrible language. The frozen embryo that later became Molly? No, Molly had been stored for 24 years. That that embryo was always who it was, regardless of what condition it was existing in. Anyway, it goes on. As for the Ridgeways, they told Insider that they hadn't chosen the 30-year-old embryos for the publicity. The parents planned to tell the twins the story of their conception in 1992 when they're older. They are united in the way that they will raise their twins. Our plans for the twins is to make sure their adoption is part of their story, Rachel said. We want to keep it as as a normal part of their lives. She said that the family would tell them about their origin once they were able to understand. They'll always know that they are adopted, Rachel added. 
We want to make sure that they know the embryo adoption makes them special. And of course, do you have a powerful story to share with the insider? I just think that's amazing. And also, I'm glad that that story is out there because now it's a, it's a tangible example of the snow babies. And I also Googled snow babies, and the only thing that came up is these uh, little figurines. But I, I Googled snow babies along with IVF, and here is uh, an article, IVF, the hidden story of Britain's snow babies. And um, frozen embryo conceived the year after her mother was born. Uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, there, there's all kinds of information out there that you can find on these snow babies. In fact, let me go to uh, uh, let me go to this article, IVF: The Hidden Story of Britain's Snow Babies. Um, oh, good grief, man! My computer was just overwhelmed with um pop-ups. Uh, yeah, I can't read that article. I wanted to go in there, see if it offered any statistics, any numbers or anything like that. I'd be very curious to know a count of how many of these snow babies are out there. So let's talk for a minute about this and what this entails, what this means ethically, morally. First off, in vitro means it's Latin. It's in the glass, in non-living tissue, in non-living matter. I think you, you Google what does in vitro means. The etymology is in the glass. Basically, the eggs are harvested from a woman. Sperm is uh, introduced to the Petri dish, and fertilization takes place. And what happens, and th this is why in vitro fertilization is actually sinful. Uh, well, in vitro fertilization in and of itself is not sinful. Excuse me, I spoke too soon and went too far. In vitro fertilization the things around it are sinful because let me tell you the common practice. You'll have 15 eggs and the sperm will be introduced and you'll have 15 embryos and you'll take three or four, maybe five of those embryos and implant them and you'll put the rest on ice or they will be discarded. Do you see what, you see what I mean when I say discarded? That's murder. That they're, you're killing life that has been conceived. It's like abortion. And if, as Christians, we don't, if we are not abreast of these moral and ethical dilemmas, we might end up making the wrong decision. Now, I am of the conviction that procreation is specifically for a married man and a married woman. In fact, I got my Bible here. Let's go to the book of Genesis. And, and look, I've had pushback about this. There's people that don't believe me, but. I just, I think they're wrong and I think they haven't thought about it. Um, I, I think they haven't thought about it from a right perspective. Um, Genesis chapter one, and God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the every living thing that moveth upon the face of the earth, or, 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 or upon the earth. 
So what does that have to do with procreation? Well, God creates ex nihilo. That's out of nothing. We, in the image of God, create. But it's, it's really not creation ex nihilo. It's actually procreation. In other words, we have a partner and we have a genetic partner. Uh, 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 one who is genetically meat for us, and we come together and we make offspring. Are we supposed to uh, have offspring outside of the holy bonds of matrimony? No, I do not believe so. Uh, whenever you look at Genesis chapter 2, there is a recapitulation of the creation account that focuses on man and woman and the marriage and God taking the rib from Adam and making him a help meet for him, and then the union of those two together. It is my conviction that whenever the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, that the blessing that preceded the admonition to be fruitful and multiply is marriage is you have this bond. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed is undefiled. It is for the purpose of love between a man and a woman, and it is for the purpose of procreation. And whenever we pervert those purposes, we violate God's law, God's moral law. So if you're a woman, and you're single, and you're not married, and you want to have a child, you can't go out and have sex and, and allow, and I'm going to speak very, very bluntly, perhaps very offensively, because I'm going to use animalistic type terms, because that's really, you've degraded yourself to that point. You can't go out and get a man to cover you and in, impregnate you and then have a baby. Everybody understands, well, that would be wrong. Well. Could you go out and get a man to impregnate you if, in other words, can you share yourself with another man outside of holy matrimony regardless of the method used for insemination? I don't see how you can Bible that. And it may be more of an issue of judgment. There may be more of a debate if you're talking about a single woman. But you, it cannot be argued that it is, not, it is deviant from God's plan. It is a transgression of God's plan. Is it a sin that will damn you to hell? I, I am convinced that it is. It is a sin from which one must repent. That if a, if a man or a woman goes out and they procreate, that the sin is the procreation along with the sin of fornication. Now, the baby's not sinful. Being a parent, and not being married is not sinful, but that is an act of which you must repent. You've got to change your mind about it because it, because it is deviant. It deviates from God's plan. It transgresses God's order of things. That is the definition of sin, folks. Why we argue this, I don't know. But now let's put it in the bounds of a, ma of a marriage. Um because I've had people push back against me very hard on this. If you are a married man and a married woman, it is adultery for you, even if it is with each other's consent, 
to bring a third party into the marriage bed. I'm going to repeat that. It is a sin to bring a third party into into the marriage bed, even if it is with the consent of both parties. And think about the hedonistic lifestyle of some. Yes, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from a woman's perspective. Yes, you know, my husband and I, we've been married 27 years, and I have this co-worker. She's really, really beautiful, and my husband knows she's beautiful. He's not said anything, and for his birthday this year, I have talked to her, and she's going to come over to the house, and we are going to give my husband a threesome. You can't do that. It doesn't matter if it's with consent. Nobody in the world would think that is okay. So how in the world could you sit there and say, listen, marriage is honorable and all and the bed is undefiled and we are going to invite a third party to share and we are going to procreate with a third party. In other words, as a woman, I am going to allow another man's seed in me and I'm going to produce offspring. I'm going to give myself to produce offspring from another man. Folks, that's, uh, how, can we, how can we understand that to be holy? You're, you're giving yourself. That, that is something for your husband. And I know what you're saying. Well, what about, what about, a, what about a, a husband who is impotent or a husband who is, um, his sperm count is so low he can never be pregnant? Well, my suggestion, go to, go to a, go to a uh, organization like the NEDC and take what you would spend on fertility treatments and, all, and in vitro fertilization and take one of these babies that are already existing in the world. You still are being able to be pregnant. You, you still go through that with your husband. There's still that bonding experience. And there's absolutely no principles of God violated. None whatsoever. Christians need to think about these things. Christians need to consider these things. And uh, yeah, I was, I was very interested to find this article about these two babies. So um, I'm going to recap here. Nobody in the world would have a problem with saying it's sinful for a married woman to go have sex with another man for the purpose of having that man provide an offspring. No one would say that because they, well, it's sex, right? You're not supposed to have sex with a man that's not your spouse. Why in the world do you think it's okay in the eyes of God as a married woman for you to procreate with a man that's not your spouse. Regardless of anything, you may say, well, Tony, it doesn't violate any law in the New Testament. You know, it violates God's moral law. It violates the natural order of things that God has set up. And I put forth to you, it's a Genesis 4 principle, if nothing else. If you do well, will it not be accepted of you? And if you do not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. The idea there is you have violated, you have transgressed God's design, and bad things are going to happen. 
maybe not immediately. But I like what Jordan Peterson says, talking about his years as a clinician. He said, in all my years as a clinician, one constant is I have never seen anyone get away with anything. You always have to pay the piper. The universe always gets it. And that's, that's the deal here. Can you point to a law in the New Testament that says a, a woman can't be impregnated by another man? No, no, I really can't. But I can look at Scripture as a whole, and I can look at God's design, and I know that whenever the Pharisees and scribes came tempting Jesus about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, Jesus skipped over the current covenant and went all the way back to the beginning. So maybe instead of trying to find specific laws that in vitro fertilization and being impregnated by a man that's not your husband or being impregnated out of wedlock, instead of going to uh, the New Testament trying to find certain laws associated with that, go all, do what Jesus did. Take a page from his book. Go all the way back to the beginning and say, what was God's design? God's design is one man, one woman procreating. Anything else is a deviation from that design. Another way of saying that is sin, folks. I don't know how you could draw any other conclusion. So, if you are a man and a woman and you have the money to go to a fertility clinic, do not let them perform in vitro fertilization in that way. Make sure they make sure it's one egg at a time or two or three eggs at a time, but make sure they implant all of them. Do not allow them to abort these babies. And then if, 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 if you are, as a female, if you're married to a man whose sperm count is so low, or he, who's sterile, we'll just say he's sterile, or he's impotent, don't go outside the, 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 the marriage bed to have a child. Adopt a child, and you can adopt a child so young as that child is just, a, is just what science calls a zygote. And you can place that child in your womb and you can nurture that child on that level. And you can go through the joys of motherhood, the joys of being pregnant, the joys of your husband, uh, experiencing your husband and how he takes care of you during the pregnancy. And you don't have to violate any of God's laws, any of God's order whatsoever. Folks, we've got four of you here in the live stream. I think that's really good for an impromptu live stream that wasn't promoted in any way. Brandon Dreschner is here. Diana Harding is here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure and be the algorithm for us. Share this, share this, share this. Subscribe to the Cogitations podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio, or Podbean. Follow it, like it, subscribe to it, share it, please. And consider supporting me as a podcaster, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. I hope I've said something here that's been informative and has encouraged you in some way. And if you have any questions, any show ideas, send them to the Cogitations Facebook page, private messages. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got here. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.